everybody out there in avalanche land welcome into another episode of hockey mountain high your go-to avalanche podcast with jj jerez that's me and of course Arif dean and patrick stedman on the controls and the production side of it Arif, we're here we're, we're almost talking some real hockey the weather's been beautiful things have been good around here haven't they yeah, today feels a lot like hockey season. It's it's just the right amount of chilly where you got to wear a little bit of a zip-up jacket on top of what you're wearing. Kind of reminds me of when you get into an ice rink. Hockey's around the corner. It's almost October. We're ready to rock, man. I believe spring starts to, or the fall starts tomorrow. So it's it's time to drop the puck, man. Development camp, training camp, it's all happening. Oh, I didn't even realize. But yeah, fall is technically tomorrow, right? So get your pumpkin spices going and, uh, you know, I have to ask for for not as many uh, pumps. I do like the pumpkin spice latte, but hold off on the pumpkin spice. In my opinion, do you do you get into those? Can you even have coffee? I I don't even do coffee. I don't do lattes. I don't do any of that stuff. I just do water and sometimes water with a little bit of flavor, like you know pre workout and stuff like that. Not the healthiest. It's just not not a coffee guy. Nathan McKinnon would give you the biggest hug. Yeah, of course. He's cool sometimes, too. He goes to In-N-Out, so I, I sometimes have something that's not water. Have you had In-N-Out? Are you a big In-N-Out guy? I haven't. I've never actually had him before. I'm really curious. You know, if, if McKinnon gets In-N-Out, I should probably get In-N-Out. It'll make me one of the better hockey players in the world. It's uh, I've only had it once, and it didn't wow me. Maybe I need to give it another shot. Um, but let's get into what we're actually talking about. Development camp was just over, the Rookie Showcase. I love that tournament. So much fun. Um, I guess, you know, what stuck out to you? What uh, is there to speak of what notable things happen? I mean, I, th- I really think it's such a cool treat to get to see real players in this tournament, right? The Avalanche using Bo and Byram and even Shane Bowers and Sampo Ranta. You saw Quinton Byfield out there. You saw Trevor Zegras and Alex Turkett, all the big names. I mean, that's just what makes it so fun along with the uh, rest of the pool of prospects. So yeah. obviously... I'm sure you were delighted to get to watch some hockey as well as I. I wish the production was a little bit higher, but that also adds to the kind of aesthetics of the the whole thing, right? Yeah, development camp is a lot of fun. I mean, it's my first one. If you remember, I moved here, you know, two days before opening night for the 2019-20 season. And then obviously 2021 was what it was. So this was my first time actually getting to experience development camp and training camp as a journalist. So it's pretty cool. I. Uh, Development camp was awesome because there was a ton of fans there. The the burgundy and white scrimmage or whatever, burgundy and blue scrimmage, whatever they call it. There was a ton of fans there. There was a lot of people there. And it just felt good to be able to interact with people not wearing masks and just watching hockey. Um, what stuck out to me were the guys – I mean other than the numbers, which we'll get to. What stuck out to me were the guys that were supposed to be the ones that stuck out. Bowen Byram looked like a class of his own. Sampo Ranta was up there as well. Justin Barron, Shane Bowers – uh, Oscar Olison also looked pretty good. Uh, one Andreas Wingerly was awesome. A lot of speed. Uh, great playmaker. Uh, just Eustace Ananen looked good in net. So, you know, the top guys, the guys that are drafted. If you remember the development camp roster, it's it's made up of a lot of avalanche prospects. But it's also got a lot of guys on amateur tryouts that, you know, let's face it. This is going to be the highlight of their hockey careers. They get an avalanche jersey. They get probably some breezers, a helmet. And it's something they're going to hang on their walls and be like, I once partook in the Avalanche's development camp. So you should look better than those guys if you're Byram and Barron and Bowers and them. And they did. Uh, Alex Bokaj also looked pretty good. So the top guys looked like the top guys, which is exactly what you want out of a skate like this. You want to prepare them. And obviously Alex Newhook, I keep forgetting him. And you you want to prepare these guys for training camp. And that's actually what 
what you know what they're gonna get out of this. Brian Wilsey said it. These guys like Newhook and Byram, who are expected to play hockey, get a step up on the captain skates, guys, because they're playing a little bit more competitive hockey a little bit sooner. I was gonna mention actually that neither of us had brought up Alex Newhook, and I think that's because maybe if we're underwhelmed of about anything, it might just be that Alex Newhook didn't quite put up the point production that maybe we expect from him. Do I care? Of course not. It's com- I'm taking it for what it is. It's completely just a rookie showcase. I mean, he's he's kind of mailing it in. I exactly. That's don't what I'm saying. Him. Do yeah. I do I care about it? No. But you would have liked to see him maybe bury a couple. I mean, for a second there, you kind of thought that the Avs were going to have a hard time scoring in general. They w- were able to get the momentum going a little bit with a couple shorthanded goals, and then they started burying a lot. But uh, that first game against LA, they had a tough. They got shut out. I mean, so obviously had a tough time scoring, and then took them a second in the second game there. Yeah, it did. And then obviously, once they started scoring, they didn't stop and they didn't stop letting them in either. They let in four goals per game for over each of the three games. Uh, But they scored a ton. They scored five, obviously, in the winner yesterday. Obviously, they let up the game tying goal with 20 something seconds left and then had to win it in overtime. And then today they won seven to four. Today being Monday morning, they won seven to four with two empty net goals. So a lot of goals on both sides. But the thing about these kind of showcases is there's no systems. There's no practices. You do a bunch of skates, you do a bunch of drills, and then you just play pretty much competitive beer league hockey is ultimately what it is for a bunch of young kids. You see a ton of fights because, like I said, it's a bunch of guys on ATOs that are never going to see the NHL. They want to go out there and make an impression. They drop the gloves. They fight a lot, which is always funny to me, by the way. A little sidetrack. Hockey culture is so funny because whenever it comes to development camp or training camp or trying to get noticed, the first thought that comes to a player's mind is always, Let's go out there and fight. Let's go out there and provide a physical edge and really show how nasty we are so that we can make it to the NHL where people no longer fight or show a physical edge. It's really weird. It's something that like has carried over from the 90s that just hasn't gone away. Yeah, that's an interesting point for sure. Um, yeah, back to the goalies. You know, you talked about how Eustace Annanen looked pretty solid. I thought it was just fun getting to see all the goalies. I liked all three of them. I, I've, I've liked Peyton Jones for a while. He played the uh, third game there. So uh, that was fun. And then uh, I also thought it was a good sign to see the Avalanche win that overtime game against Anaheim. And they actually, you know, they were up two goals for a while there because haven't we heard so much noise about the Anaheim prospects and how great the Anaheim system is going to be soon? And those players were there playing against the Avalanche prospects. So seeing them being able to get out there and compare. But like you said, it's, it's very much a men's league style game. A lot of the goals you're seeing are just one guy doing it all by himself and trying to get noticed and get the shot off rather than making the play and making a pass. So take it with a grain of salt, but it was still fun to see. Still fun to see some fast-paced hockey out there. Yeah, like in in case you're wondering about Anaheim's system, Trevor Zegers is still as good as we expect him to be. In L.A., like you said, Byfield and Turcotte and the rest, they they all look awesome as well, as did obviously Byram Newhook, Branta. The top guys. The top guys always stick out. But I like these new, you know, these rookie showcases and these tournaments that have come up over the last, let's say, what has been now, a half a decade where these have become a thing. It's it's pretty fun. It's it gives you hockey a little bit earlier. Usually it's by the, by right around the time of the draft. But to have it now leading into training camp, which starts here very soon, uh, is really cool as well. Absolutely, it's way more exciting than just simply getting right into training camp or even the burgundy and white game. To get into some other colors that we got to see. Arif, your photo of the team in 
in the in the training camp went a little bit viral. But yeah, you got the blue numbers now. I, I love how it matches with the breezers. But not saying that I love the color itself, but uh, hey, it is what it is. I like the style, and I like that they do match together now. Kind of like last year when they went to the blue breezers and gloves uh, for the away jerseys. Obviously, the home jerseys look good. I don't know if many people complain about those. If they do, they're crazy. But the away jerseys were the ones that looked a little off, and we complained about them, and then we complained some more, and then we continued to complain. And then we just forgot about it and just went on with our daily lives. And it's going to be the same things with these blue numbers that people are calling an ode to the Quebec Nordiques. But I don't think very much that that's what the Avalanche had in mind. They just wanted to match it with, obviously, the blue. The blue seems a little bit off shade from the blue that's in the pants and in the helmet and gloves. But it still looks better in my opinion. And as we saw from the Rookie Showcase game with Byram wearing the C, the C and the A's also are blue, which looks really really cool and crisp to me. So I know a lot of people didn't like it. That tweet that I sent out was about 80-20 in terms of people that liked it versus people that didn't. And there were fans nationally commenting on this, not just Avalanche fans. And it was maybe 80-20-70-30 of, ooh, these are crispy and no, these are terrible. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people out there just kind of fear the change, right? But it's inevitable. You got helmets being made of different colors. It's inevitable that more color gets implemented everywhere in the gear. I think Vegas kind of set the precedence when they brought out the white gloves. That's when, uh, you know, people kind of reacted differently, but eventually they kind of got over it. And the rest of the league said, you know, we can start to put more color into our stuff. And here it is. So, you know, it's just going to happen because they can. Technology is at a point where they can color anything, whatever color they want, so they're going to do it now. And uh, it's just kind of what society calls for too, right? I mean, we've been hammering the table for years about how there needs to be a little bit more flair to the game. Well, here's I mean, a little bit. I mean, looking at the Vegas Golden Knights jersey, for example, those are the perfect home and road jerseys where you can just stick black helmets, gloves, and breezers, and it'll make sense. But why do that? Have a little bit of fun with it. Be a little bit creative. If the blue was the colors that the Avalanche came out with in 95, 96, and now they decided to change it to black, there would be the same kind of outrage of how dare you take away our ugly blue numbers. We love our ugly blue numbers. Those are our tradition. So that's all it ultimately is. It's the same reason why people don't like the helmet advertisements. It's the same reason why people are going to hold their not their pitchforks, but their kitchen forks up for about five minutes at the start of next season when the jersey advertisements are added. And then they're going to forget about it. We're going to watch hockey. We're going to watch Nathan McKinnon score three goals before getting in and out burgers. And we're going to go back to just living our regular lives as hockey fans. And it's the same thing with these blue numbers. But sending out that tweet and seeing everybody's reaction to it, seeing even TSN you know, posted it on Instagram, gave me a little, a little shout out at the bottom was nice. But that's ultimately all it is. It's people have an instant reaction, and then if you ask them about it today, they're going to have already forgotten about it. Right, and once somebody gifts them a, a sweater for Christmas, they're going to be oh, wearing I it love immediately. It. Yep, and, exactly. Yep. I'm fine with it. Let's uh, just kind of move on with our lives and, and get to the stuff that matters, which is hockey. But I guess before that, we got to get to media day before we get to hockey, right? And we recently saw Nate McKinnon and K.O. McCarr both in Chicago at media day doing their best to have a little bit of charisma. And man, does K.O. McCarr just struggle with that aspect of being an NHL. <laughs> yeah, no, he doesn't really have the strongest personality. And I remember it was last week on, what day was it? It was Thursday. And I know that the NHLers are all flew out to Chicago, I believe, Wednesday, and they were going to have their two days of media stuff. 
And in my head, I was thinking to myself, I was out in Cherry Creek, and I was thinking to myself, who's going? Is it going to be McKinnon and McCarr? Is it going to be Ranton and Landeskog? Who are they going to send? And then I parked my car, and I walk into Cherry Creek Mall, and I walk right by Miko Ranton, and he was on the phone, gave me a little wave. And I'm like, oh, it's definitely McKinnon and McCarr. So Ranton didn't get to go. They sent McCarr. I'm kind of thinking they should switch that next year and give Ranton a chance because I think he's got a bit of a personality um, once you start to let him get out of his shell a little bit, especially if you pair him with Landeskog, he has a lot of fun. So I think that would be a really good get next time. But uh, I ran into that giant at Cherry Creek Mall while Kel McCarr was out in Chicago struggling. Was that before or after you got kicked out of the Lululemon store? Right around the same time, unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah, I think a lot of, uh, or I guess the other notable thing that came out of Media Day around the avalanche anyway. There was a lot of things that came out of it, but um, Nathan McKinnon getting asked about the Zadorov quotes was really interesting, right? I, I loved the way he kind of reacted and had felt like he had to defend himself, kind of why we opened the podcast the way we did. Yeah, he had to show that he's cool like the rest of us and gets in and out burgers because apparently that's what makes him a cool, normal guy. According to Nathan McKinnon, here's the quote when he was asked about it because – Everybody was all over the story, if you remember, in August because it's the dead month of the season. Zadorov comes out and says Nathan McKinnon eats uh, chickpea pasta and doesn't let anybody else eat regular pasta. And he works out 17 hours a day if he's not skating. And he has a nutritionist that he pays like 50 grand a year and he does all these things to take care of his body. Basically, no fun. And uh, McKinnon came out and said, a big Z is a bit of a donkey. I saw all the memes a little out of hand. I'm a regular guy. I'm not crazy. I get in and out after games. So that's his version of being a regular guy and not crazy. After games, he gets a burger from In-N-Out, and that makes Nathan McKinnon fun. First of all, I highly doubt he's getting in and out after every game. He might have gotten it once or twice or, you know, on a Friday night before hitting the bars or something like that because I, I don't think you can keep up. With the body he has, if you're if you're eating, I, I remember he doesn't even hit the bars anymore. By the way, that's what Zadorov was kind of getting into. But yeah, sorry, go on. I think it was Chad Ochocinco in his day used to say he would get a Big Mac after every football game, which again maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But I I find that hard to believe if you're trying to keep up with a athlete's body like Nathan McKinnon tries to and eats a bunch of sweet potatoes like he does. I doubt. Getting in and out too many times is something he actually does. He probably says, yeah, I've done it here and there. Well, if Chad Ochocinco's getting a burger after every football game, that's 16 games a year. And you got seven days to recover. You got one day to let your body realize, what the hell did you do to me? And then you got five days of practice going into the next game. Nathan McKinnon, you're playing four times a week. You're not getting in and out burger. He probably gets it. He probably got it once in like his second year in the NHL when he was still belligerent and drinking and having fun with Tyson Berry and the guys. And I was like, yeah, I'm a regular guy. I had in and out once in I've 2015, <laughs> I think it was. And yeah, that makes me a normal guy. So I eat chickpea pasta now and I rage at everybody else that has marinara sauce. So what? I mean, it's I'm just, you know, we're, we're making a big story out of it. But it's just the quote was hilarious. First of all, calling Z a donkey was just funny because it came out of nowhere. And then going from there into what he considered to be, I'm just a normal guy, I'm not crazy, was going to In-N-Out, and I just thought that was hilarious. I'm curious as to which In-N-Out he went to, right? I mean, for a while, there wasn't even an In-N-Out burger in the <laughs> metro area, and then all the other ones just seemed kind of out of the way. It was I think he was living downtown, too, so as far as where the Pepsi Center is, or even where Family Sports is, there's no In-N-Out burger very close. 
you kind of got to get go out of your way. So if he's really going to in and out, he must mean for road games, right? I mean, because in and out's not really a super popular thing here in Denver anyway. So he's paying a nutritionist fifty grand a year. He's paying a nutritionist a legitimate livable <laughs> wage to feed him. So if the game starts at seven o'clock, he sends the nutritionist out at six o'clock on a voyage to where is the closest in and out? I don't know. Castle Rock, is there one in Denver? Is there one in South Denver? He sends out his nutritionist at 6 o'clock. The guy gets stuck in traffic on the 25 for about an hour and a half because he's got to get Nate Dog his In-N-Out burger for the time of, you know, the, the, the final buzzer. And if the game goes to overtime, he's a little worried because now the burger's going to get soggy. Obviously, McKinnon's got a guy doing this for him. Come on. I just It has to be for road games because if you're in Denver, you're probably craving breakfast burritos more than you're craving In-N-Out burger, I would say. Don't get me don't get me started on the food culture here, man. It sucks. <laughs> All right, I won't get you started. Seems like a sensitive subject you've already thought thoroughly through. It's I've been here for two years. I haven't had a damn good meal. Go to Gomez Breakfast Burritos. Free plug here. Breakfast burritos. <laughs> um, don't you love how this is probably going to be the last episode where we can go on tangents like this without talking about hockey? I'm excited for the real stuff. Well, let's get back into hockey. As we said earlier, training camp starts this week. Uh, I guess Wednesday is technically when it starts. It used to be the day when we'd go to the Pepsi Center, I guess now Ball Arena, and they would do their physicals. They'd ride the bike a little bit. Somebody would come out every once in a while, talk to the media, and then they'd churn out some players. Now we don't have that. We just have a media availability with Jared Bednar, and then the hockey starts Thursday. Yeah, so no Joe Sackick, no players, no fun. The Avalanche are boring. But we'll talk to Jared Bednar. We'll ask him very basic pre-training camp questions. It's not really going to How was be- your off-season? How was your off-season? Uh, what are you excited for? The boys are ready to go. We're looking great. Our expectation is cup or bust. It's going to be the same quotes. I'm a little salty with the media availability, as you can tell, but uh, it is what it is. We'll make the most of it. We'll try to get what good content we can get without the access that we usually have. But um, technically, that's day one of camp. It'll be a Zoom call with Bedner and then on-ice sessions starting Thursday at Family Sports. First come, first serve basis for fans, just like development camp. So please come on out. I met a lot of people, talked to a lot of fans during development camp. That was fun. Starting as early as 8.45 a.m., going until 12.45, sometimes 1 o'clock. On Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Monday. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's definitely an exciting day. It's like the first day of school. You get to see everybody again after not seeing them all off season. You get to see Moj. He'll crack a joke or two. Whether it's good or not is up for debate. But yeah, other than that, we have actual storylines to start keeping an eye on. First thing I'm keeping an eye on is the uh, same story we've been talking about all years. Who's going to step up and take that last spot in the top six? I still have my money on Valerie Nachushkin. Newhook could come out and surprise. JT Comfort could do it. Hell, somebody like Maltsev could make an impression. Sampo Ranta could make an impression. You never know. But unlike past years, this is the first time where the top six and the top nine are not completely set in stone like we talked about with Peter Ball last week. So there is going to be some competition. And that's what makes training camp fun. It's the fact that the Avalanche are going into this knowing they have a top line. They have two guys on the second line. They kind of have one, maybe two guys on the third line. And then they kind of have one, maybe two guys on the fourth line. And then someone like O'Connor who wants to be a regular for the first time in his career. Maltsev who wants to be a regular for the first time in his career. Darren Helm who wants to resurrect his career. So there's going to be a ton of competition up front. On defense, you know, it's a little bit more set in stone. Injuries aside, Taves, McCarr, Gerard, Johnson, Murray, Byram. 
that's a little bit more set. And then in goal, you're going to have obviously Kemper and Francis. So that forward competition is going to be fun because there's a lot of things that Bender can do with those top 12 guys, whoever they are. Yeah, absolutely. I think something I'm looking forward to, I mean, it's the first day of camp. There's always excitement. There's always buzz in the air. There's always a little bit of extra jump and energy. But with this team, it needs to be a little bit different, right? Whenever you talk about a championship team in hindsight, you always talk about like, man, no, it was from day one. You stepped in, you felt the energy. You could tell everything was different that year. And that's what you need to feel. I mean, like I said, it's going to be hard to really sense for us from our standpoint, because every time, every opening day and every training camp is fun and intense and fast. But I want it to feel like there's something different in the air. I need this training camp to be a little bit unique and a little bit special in that sense. And I'll tell you what the difference is going to be this year. Am I overconfident with what his abilities are? Maybe a little bit, but it's Eric Johnson. I mean, considering what that guy's been through over the last few years, considering what he's been through with this team for, believe it or not, over a decade now when he got traded here, when Eric Johnson got traded here, the Avalanche still hadn't traded Craig Anderson one for one for Brian Elliott from the Ottawa Senators. That's how long ago it was. So he's been through a lot. He just had a season where his injuries derailed it after a 2020 season where injuries derailed the playoffs for the Avalanche. He's coming in with this mindset of like, my body is broken. I could be done playing at any time. Hell, it could come in November, game 25 of the regular season. Johnson could just, his body could give out and he could retire. He's ready to go. He wants to win. It's no nonsense. All right, Gabe, you got your contract. McKinnon, you're still under contract. The young guys have grown up. You know, Kale McCarr and all these guys are no longer rookies. Sam Gerrard's no longer a young buck. Let's get going. Let's get serious and let's win something, you know, past the first round for once that's the difference I love that thought process for sure I love that idea especially because you know with Eric Johnson he's kind of a symbol of what this whole year is going to be right it's kind of a refresh a restart just out for redemption the last two seasons yeah they lost but those weren't real seasons anyway now we're getting back to a real freaking season 82 games this the correct calendar length right this is going to be done in May and the last time we had a full season in 2019, Eric Johnson scored an overtime winning goal against Winnipeg to send him to the playoffs. The condor flies, as McGahee said. There you go. So there has to be a mentality within the room of just like, all right, we got a fresh start here. Screw everything that's happened in the last couple of years. I know we, we you know missed the bus on what we were supposed to do, but this year's different. This year's everything's back to normal. Everything's going to work out the way it's supposed to be, and there needs to be that little extra bit of fire. I think I have it, apparently. I'm excited for this season. I'm ready to go. I'm sure the players have that same energy as well, especially a guy like EJ. Yeah, Darcy Kemper is going to walk in. I don't know if you were on his uh, media call a couple months ago when he first got traded here, but he's just a delightful, happy guy with a smile on his face, and he's going to walk in with a smile on his face, and Johnson's going to be like, no, 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 no. We're not here for smiles. We're here to win. And I'm obviously overreacting. And that's the kind of mentality they're going to have. It's going to start with Gabe Landeskog. It's going to go with Eric Johnson. And speaking of them, too, I mean, they both posted pictures on Instagram yesterday. They went out for a bike ride around Denver. So it was probably Johnson strolling with EJ, going a good solid, nice and calm 14 to 15 miles per hour on their bikes, talking about how Gabe, we got to rally the troops and we got to do something big this year. And it starts Wednesday with the physicals. And then it goes into Thursday's on-ice sessions. Uh, Eric Johnson, to me, is going to be that difference this year. Yeah, I mean, that's something you love to see, right? They they were on the ice. They were doing a little skating session this morning. 
and they end the day with a little bike ride. I mean, they had their shirts off, so I hope it got a little bit intense at times. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's better than seeing them just go to Chipotle or go slam some beers. They're going out for another little physical exercise. Going to In-N-Out. Yeah, not not, yeah. not going to In-N-Out Burger. Um, They're not going to In-N-Out. They're not normal guys. They're crazy. One thing I think, you know, as you said with Darcy Kemper walking in with a smile, I still think, you know, this is sports. And uh, between a goalie and forwards, there's always competition. I think there's still going to be a little bit of – uh, bitterness in the back of Darcy Kemper's head where he's going to really bring his A game in training camp and practices. He wants to shut Nathan McKinnon down and show, hey, I'm the boss. The reason you beat me so many times was because of the five guys in front of me, not because of me. Yeah, the reason why you guys scored 25,000 goals on us in the Edmonton bubble. I mean, I look, I was looking at a stat today where over the last five seasons, I don't have the full rankings, but it was like, it was over the last five seasons, the top 10 goalies in safe percentage or top 20 goalies in safe percentage over the last five years combined. Vasilevsky was at number one with 921. I forget who he was tied with. And then there was like three guys that were tied at 920. And those three guys were Grubauer and some other guys. And then at 919, right behind them was, lo and behold, no, uh, none other than Darcy Kemper. So he put up numbers that were top seven goals against averages in the league playing on the Arizona Coyotes. And that in itself is impressive. So he's going to come in and he wants to show the avalanche that he has what it takes. So even if he has a smile on his face, I mean, goalies have different personalities and whatever their personality is, you got to let them be because you guys are some kind of creatures. So he's going to come in. He's going to have that personality. He wants to show the abs he can do it. Then he wants to show the rest of the league he can do it. He already showed the hockey world at, at, the, world, at the world championships in, in May and June or whenever that was that he's got what it takes. Canada got shut out in their first game, lost their first three, won seven straight, won the gold medal. Darcy Kemper led the way. So he's going to come out and he really wants to prove to the Avs and to the NHL that he has what it takes. It's a contract year as well, which is always good to have a goalie in a contract year. As we learned just about three, four months ago with Philip Grubauer, goalies play their best hockey in a contract season, which is exactly what you're going to get out of Kemper. So I think he's going to be excited to really get going here. Yeah, not to forget that Pavel Francouz doesn't want to feel like he's chopped liver. He wants to put up some competition too. So I think a lot of competition and a lot of intensity is going to begin at the goalies. And whatever they come out doing is the way the pace is going to be throughout the rest of the training camp. And I think they're going to come out sparked, motivated, and just trying to uh, to make a statement with the with the rest of the team. Yeah, and I think that's, that's really, really... Uh... It's a very easy thing to say because it's not just, again, we talked about this last week. It's not just Darcy Kemper. It's also Pavel Francouz who wants to come in, who's also in a contract here, who's also going to be a UFA, who wants to prove after a year off that he is the goalie he was before the bubble playoffs and before all the shutdowns and before all of that. He wants to prove that he is the guy that outplayed Philip Grubauer in 2019-20 before COVID. And he wants to prove that he can make a lot of money in the NHL. So having two guys like that with an itch on their shoulder says to me that the Avalanche are in good hands in the crease. And then you look at their defensive unit, and they're in good hands on defense. And even if Eric Johnson does need a little bit of load management, NBA style, or even if he does get hurt, you have guys that could step in. You have young guys that can play big minutes. I've talked about this before, but it's the first season of 82 games with Gerard, Makar, and Taves as your top three all developed into the guys that they are. So it's good to have those guys going right now because... The Avalanche need to build their winning team, as we've seen over the last 5, 10, 20 years, from the net out. And right now, they look pretty damn good starting from the net out to the defense and even out to the offense. 
Right after I said that about the goalies needing to make a statement or they're going to make a statement, I kind of realized, took a step back, that kind of the entire team, or at least a, a good handful of guys, have a, a year here ahead of them where they need to make a statement, right? I think Gabe Landeskog is one of them. His statement being, I'm worth what you paid o- over the offseason. I'm worth the eight-year contract. Miko Rantanen kind of needs to make a statement that says, yeah, I am one of the top guys in the league. I'm not sure McKinnon has much of a statement to make. He's kind of said all he needs to say. Oh, McKinnon, McKinnon, no, no, no. McKinnon's got a lot to do. McKinnon's got, I'm not a playoff choker to make a statement on. McKinnon's got, I can win. McKinnon's got, I want to be a, Big part of Team Canada, McKinnon's. Is he starting old, to get a, a playoff choke rap though? Because I mean, I, I in feel his like, mind, in his mind, he probably is. In his mind, maybe for sure. But I and also think you know when you you see a lot of the mistakes that the Avs make, he's often on the bench, um, and I think he's aware of that too. And McKinnon's also got. I've never scored a hundred points in this league, and I'm going to score 120 just to prove that I can do it. Because that's something that people always say about him. Oh well, you can't talk about McKinnon in the same conversation as McDavid and friggin' Drysidle because he hasn't scored a hundred points. Well, now he's going to go out there and score a hundred points. So he's another one of those guys as well. I mean, the most interesting to me about the Avalanche is. Their core is locked up in the sense where, I mean, McKinnon's obviously got two more seasons left, but he will get locked up. But Rantanen's got another one, two, three, four years. Landeskog obviously starts his eight-year deal. McCarr starts his long-term deal. Gerard's in year two of his deal. Johnson's got another season after this. Taves has got three more years. Byram is still on his ELC for this season and the next season. Everybody's locked up from the main guys. But this kind of goes back to the 2018-19 season. Before they went out and traded for Burakovsky and Kadri, what did the Avalanche have? They had a great top line. They had great young defense. They had a goalie. And then they had nothing else. They had Carl Soderberg and Tyson Jost and Alex Kerfoot and a whole bunch of guys like that playing second line and third line trying to find that middle six scoring. Well, now they've lost Donskoy. Now they've lost Brandon Saad. But on top of that, all three of Burakovsky, Kadri, and Nichushkin are also pending UFAs. Burakovsky's only 26, Nichushkin's only 26, and Kadri's 30. These are all guys that are playing for another contract. These are all guys that know, hey, one of us might not be here next year. One of us might have to end up signing a, who knows, a five or six year deal on a middling team that's never going to win the cup. There's a lot of guys that have to prove their worth this year in order to sign a big deal, in order to make the money they deserve, and just knowing that, hey, this could be the last year we're all together because Burakovsky's going to make more than 4.9. Nichushkin's going to make more than 2.5, certainly. Kadri at 4.5 for the last six years, bargain deal. Obviously, everybody knows Nathan McKinnon's going to get his money in a couple years, and that's going to affect who the Avalanche could bring back. A lot of guys this year are playing for contracts, and it starts with the goalies that we talked about who make a combined $5.5 million against the Avalanche's cap, and Kemper makes another million with Arizona. Lots of players on this team need to prove that they can do it, need to prove that they can, you know, earn those big contracts. And it goes beyond the hockey. It goes to that point. It goes to the money. It goes to their next deals. But within the hockey, if you play with this team and you win with this team, you're going to get your money. Just like we saw with Tampa Bay with the deals Coleman and Goudreau signed with other teams. When you win, you get contracts. And that's what the Avalanche needs to do here. And a lot of guys are riding on that. Yeah, hopefully that's just the perfect storm of chips on shoulders and people wanting to go out there and prove their worth this year. And everybody just brings a, a whole different level of hockey, right? That's kind of what you're getting at. And and it starts, to be honest with you, with Nathan McKinnon. As much as he has nothing else to prove, he still hasn't won Jack. And for him, winning is a big thing. 
We always see how pissed off he gets at the last day of media availability every single year when in 2019-20, he said, this is the best team we've had in seven years. And uh, I think we can actually win it this year. And then it came to a crashing halt in the bubble. And then this past season where he said, I've been in the league for eight years and I haven't won shit. McKinnon has a chip on his shoulder. He has a lot to prove he wants to win. And again, the Olympics matters. Because in the Olympics is where you're going to have probably McKinnon and McCarr for Team Canada are locks. But you have Byram, Gerard, and Taves who are all right on that bubble. Right on that bubble of guys that can make Team Canada. And yes, that includes Bo and Byram. These are guys on the bubble that can make Team Canada. I'm not saying all four of them are going to go or even three. But a second one could make it. So who's it going to be? Darcy Kemper knows in goal, he's got competition. He's got Bennington. He's got Carter Hart, Mackenzie Blackwood, Carey Price, Marc-Andre Fleury. Those are five guys with Darcy Kemper that I would say would round out the three goalies for Team Canada. There is a lot of competition there for him as well. And then that doesn't include the other guys on other teams that want to play for their countries as well. There is a lot riding on this season, including for Nathan McKinnon. Oh, I forgot about the whole caveat of the Olympics there for a second when I was back ranting about how this is going to be a regular season. They're going to be motivated to get it going again. I forgot about that two-week break in there that's going to make it irregular. It's it's fine, man. I mean, 2014, the Avalanche were a damn good team, and uh, they had no—I mean, obviously, they lost in the first round, but they, it wasn't much of a season where they had expectations, but— Olympic breaks don't necessarily mean that it's going to ruin anything. It just means that the players have more to play for leading up to February or even December, January when the rosters are announced. It's just like an all-star break, right? I mean, just a chance to uh, recharge and go to Cancun for a little bit and put your feet up. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'd rather I'd rather the players be doing that than going to play the Olympics. But I'm. But yeah, there there will be six or seven or eight guys. I mean, we know Burakovsky and McKinnon and Makar are gonna go. That's three. We know Landeskog's going. That's four. Rantanen is five. Kemper potentially six. Nachushkin potentially seven. There's a lot of guys from the Avs that are gonna go. It's just a matter of hoping none of them get hurt. They get a good experience. They come back here. They keep playing. They keep doing what they do. Absolutely, it's always fun to watch the Avs. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I don't want to see any Avs in the Olympics, but. Just want to be really walk at the line of being careful with injuries this year because it's going to be a long year. We have a history with it. Forgive me for being sensitive about it. But um, last thing we really wanted to get to is the national TV schedule that came out this week. Avs on it a couple times, and the TNT-ESPN combo really seems to be getting it right. We're getting to see a lot of McDavid this year, which is rare for us down here in the States. A lot of variety. Yeah. So I, I think they're already off to a good start. Yes, the Avalanche are going to be on national TV 13 times. That includes TSN, uh, TSN, TNT, ESPN. Uh, obviously, ABC as well is going to have those ESPN Plus games as well. So what I like most about it, number one, the Avalanche are, I believe, tied for the most games with 13, which goes to show that the Avalanche are one of the must-see teams right now in the NHL, as we know. But it's the variety of teams they're playing. So Vegas, then Washington, then, sorry, Chicago, then Washington, then Vegas. Those are teams that you usually see. Seattle's a new one. The Rangers, Dallas, Chicago, Anaheim, LA, Boston, Pittsburgh, LA, St. Louis. Like it's a it's a variety of teams that you're going to see the Avalanche play against. A lot at home, a lot on the road, which is nice. It's nice to see that the Avalanche aren't playing. Obviously, they're, they're going to play Chicago this year, but it's not Chicago every single time. It's not... The same guys. It's not Minnesota. There is no games against Minnesota even. It's not the same national TV games that you see every single season, which is nice to see that they're going to have that variety. Uh, and it's going to be fun to watch it. It's going to be a different kind of product. Uh, 
Paul Bissonnette apparently is going to be on TNT. Uh, obviously, the Messiers and the Gretzkys are going to be on there. You're going to have a lot of older guys as well. Uh, some former GMs, some former coaches. Names aren't coming to mind right now, but there's one that was recently let go that's going to be uh, partaking in the intermission report. So it's going to be a different product than what we were talking about with Patrick Sharp and NBC last time. So I'm excited for it. It's going to it's going to be fun to watch. It starts with opening night. Obviously, I'll be at Ball Arena opening night, so I won't get to see it. But you better believe I'm going to come back and watch those intermission uh, highlights just to see what it looks like with this new NHL on TNT, ESPN, ABC. Seems like such a simple fix, but this was years in the making, and it took a lot of doing and undoing for us to get to this point. But I think hockey fans can finally rejoice. We have a good product for television yes. down here in the United States. I mean, uh, you know, NHL Network always shows Hockey Night in Canada, and that is just such an entertaining product, and it's it's just leaves you jealous. Why can't the United States mimic something and replicate something of the sort? But now I think we might be able to. Whoever they put on is good. I mean, Don Cherry kind of obviously ran his course, but they brought in Kevin Bieksa, and he is an all-star. They kept bringing in all these random guys, and PJ Stock was one of them. Every person they brought in just worked. It made sense. And you know there's going to be a lot of other guys that are going to do it. Nazem Kadri to me, screams Hockey Night in Canada in his future. P.K. Subban, I can see him being more of an ESPN He's kind already of guy. getting his rounds in. Yep, He's already doing exactly. it. Exactly. Did you see his Don Cherry impression? It was pretty spot on. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> so good. But yeah, like there's there's going to be a lot of a lot of things that are going to change now with the hockey product and ESPN is going to be at the forefront of that, but TNT is the big one for me as well because that's the one that came out of left field. They beat out Fox, they beat out uh NBC for the secondary rights, and TNT is where you have Charles Barkley and Shaq you know, doing what they do with their with their uh, shows, and it's it's going to be something similar for hockey, and that's just great for the product. I'm really excited for it because it's going to finally look different. And I don't know if you had this bit of nostalgia, but the ABC, the NHL on ABC theme song. Did you hear that the other day? Oof, Patrick, we might have to end the podcast with that. That listening to that was just an absolute nostalgia like I've never felt before. And that's where the Avalanche are going to play once this year and obviously in the playoffs as well. Yep, love the exposure, love the amount of time that we're going to be able to watch hockey on television without having to jump through hoops. I think we've said this before, but it almost seems like they are totally giving Greg Wyshynski free reigns and getting to call the shots over there at ESPN, even at Disney, so much so that he's getting all these uh, Star Wars movie and Marvel movies getting in there in the mix on Disney+. Plus. But no, in all seriousness... Somebody with some sense planned these schedules and planned the national TV broadcast because these they hit it out of the park. This is what we've been waiting for since the NBC days. That, what was it? Outdoor Network, the ONT? No, OLN, 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 and then it turned into Versus, and then NBCSN. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just it's been a shit show for the last sixteen years. The NHL has been undoing everything that the lockout ruined in oh four oh five, and the pinnacle of it was COVID. And now coming out of COVID, they finally got what they wanted on a national level. And Greg Wyshynski does play a large part in that because we saw what he did over the last three, four years. 2018, Greg Wyshynski, I believe, was his first year with, with ESPN, leaving Yahoo Sports, 2017-18. And then the trade deadline came around, and he goes out and tweets, go to ESPN.com. We're going to have a live simulcast of TSN. Just something as simple as that was never done before he came around. But he said, hey, guys. ESPN, Worldwide Leader in Sports. How about we show the TSN simulcast where all the big insiders work, 
which is obviously Bob McKenzie before he retired, Darren Dreger, who's still there, Frank Cervalli, who's at Daily Faceoff. Now we're all on ESPN. Let's show this to the hockey world. Let's show this to the sports world because this is the best show out there. Just something as simple as that. It started with that. It went to his ESPN on Ice podcast. Now, obviously, they're going to have a new podcast with Emily Kaplan and Linda Kahn are going to do... Uh, I forget what it's called, the new hockey podcast, Hockey on ESPN something something. But it's not the ESPN on ice anymore, but just simple little things like that. Hiring Simple, no-brainers. Yes, hiring Greg Wyshynski and then bringing on Emily Kaplan with him are ultimately what led to this, in my opinion. And seeing how much they empower him, seeing that they sent out this video, and I remember he talked about it on his podcast on Puck Soup. They sent out this video about all the guys that they hired for ESPN, and it was like – I think it's Mark Messier's ESPN or, or is it Gretzky? No, it's Messier. It's like Messier and – oh, John Tortorella's on there too. It's this guy, and that, that's who I was thinking of, Tortorella. And it's this person, that person, and then it's Greg Wyshynski, and he was like, it just feels great that I was part of this. You know, the Brett Hulls and the, all these guys that are going to work at ESPN <laughs> – and then here is me, you know, in this hype video as well, just some, you know, journalist guy. But he obviously had his fingerprints on it. And, and you know, maybe we'll hear more from him about all that. You know, you never know. Do you want to uh, tease that a little bit? I mean, speaking of having the fingerprints, yeah. it, let, let, let's just tell him about I it. I mean, the one with Greg Wyshynski, it's got a nice shrink to it, doesn't it? I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to call it that because the one, it's... The one with <laughs> blank is reserved for the guys who spend sit down, spend a whole hour with us. We get to know him. But the one with Greg Wyshynski is the reason why we can even talk to him for a few minutes. So that's, I feel that, like we have point. to do it. I mean, when we're shooting for stars like that, we can't expect them to give us an hour. Chris Johnson, wow, I can't Wayne, believe. Yeah, Chris Johnson, just I, I, I still can't believe he did that. Just a very nice guy. But, you know, if we get Wayne Gretzky, he'll give us an hour. But big shots like Greg... We just we can't fit into a schedule like that. I mean, it's it's quite it's not quite as good as the one where Ross and Rachel went on a break, but the one with Greg Wyshynski should be pretty good too. Chris Johnson, I'm sure regrets it though. If he was to ever come back, he'd probably ask for another. Give the, get the Greg Wyshynski treatment. No, he's a, he's a nice guy. I always text him all the time, and he always you know shares his thoughts on the podcast and stuff. Nice dude. I think we can get him on for another hour if you ask me. We should work on it. <laughs> well, Chris, if you're listening. That's about all we have for you. I'm excited to get to training camp. I'm excited to see you, Arif, and see all the other smiling faces that are the Avalanche media and fans. I'm excited to see you harass everybody at Family Sports to take one of your damn Avalanche magnets. Oh, that's a good point. I'm going to bring them and hand them out to everybody. I'm going to be at the door on everybody's way out. It's pretty cool. I got one on my fridge, and I was even thinking, hey, when are the Avalanche going to be in Toronto? Oh, here it is right there where it says Toronto. It's It was just very handy to have that, not have to look at my mobile device and just see it right there on my fridge while pouring some water. Exactly. So if you want one of these coveted, coveted magnets, I made far too many. I know I'm going to have boxes of them sitting at home, so hit me up if you want one. I've got plenty. Um, what else? What else we got on? I got a, I got a shout out the Twitter, uh, follower who, and I, I, not that, I, not that I forgot her name, but she didn't give me her name when we were sitting at family sports, but I was sitting at the rink with Peter Baugh and Kate Shefty from the Gazette. And I said, Hey guys, what's the schedule for tomorrow? Is tomorrow the burgundy scrimmage thing? Or is that the day after? And Peter was like, no, I think it's this. No, I think it's that. And Kate was like, no, it's in the schedule that Danielle sent us. And we're all trying to figure it out. And this girl sitting behind me goes, oh, I have the schedule for you. It's in a tweet. 
and she pulls out her Twitter and she pulls out a tweet that she retweets it and she goes, look, this guy tweeted it out. It's a screenshot of the schedule. And it was my tweet from two days earlier. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's me. She's like, so why don't you not know the schedule? I was like, I don't know. I probably took a screenshot of this and sent it out and didn't really read it or didn't remember it. So shout out to whoever that was for showing me my tweet of the schedule that I didn't know in that moment. That was really cool. Yeah, and shout out to you for being so on top of it and being tweeting up a storm that you forget. I mean, once you tweet that many times, you, you start to lose track, right? You forget. Yeah, I mean – I was too busy basking in the glory of the blue numbers tweet, having as many <laughs> likes and retweets as it did. You know, you got to have the little victories. Yeah, you, you've had a, about every once every three months, something you do or something you say goes pretty viral. So let's see what this year has in store. Start Starts on Thursday, Arif. Starts on Ooh, Thursday. Ooh, I'm excited. I'm coming in hungry. No laughs and smiles from me. I'm going to have that Eric Johnson mentality, just looking and ready to go. Love it. Love it. So that's a good place to stop. I'm with my Eric Johnson mentality, too, ready to start the season. I'm fired up. I think this is going to be a big year for Colorado sports scene. So just really quick before you close it out, I wasn't joking. I want to hear that ABC, NHL on ABC theme here when we end. You know Patrick's on it. I got to hear that right now. Let's do it. Patrick's ahead of it. He's got it written down. He's probably already got it halfway downloaded, Arif, so don't worry. So thanks to everybody for listening and hanging out with us. Of course, especially with this one, if you made it this far in the podcast, Bless your stinking heart. Hockey's for everyone, and we out you.